The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. And welcome to another live episode of Wrestling with John as part of the John as Podcasting Network. And today I have the pleasure of speaking to um, a wrestler that's been in the business for 17, 18 years. He's also an actor that's been on TV, he's been on stage and on been on the big screen as well in films like Harry Potter, Fantastic Beasts, Sherlock Holmes. We're going to talk about all of that during the course of this interview with Mark E. Seeley. So Mark, brilliant to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today, my friend? Good evening, sir. How are you, sir? I am very, very well. Even better now that we're actually uh, doing this. Uh, it's been a long time in, in the making. We kind of uh, first started chatting a few months ago, but finally uh, we are chatting on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. But first yeah. of all, Mark, uh, I want to talk to you because a lot of people probably know you in the wrestling business as as Little Legs, your your gimmick, your character. Uh, but you, you've recently unveiled a new character, haven't you? Um, so uh, tell us about him. And uh, I'll bring a picture here, but it's uh, Kneecapper Murphy. So I mean, yeah. that, that that's that's a picture of somebody you wouldn't want to meet down a dark alley, isn't it? Hey, tell us a bit you about you? Tell not with that baseball bat. Yeah. <laughs> about Kneecapper um, Murphy. So, uh, uh, what inspired the, the the new gimmick after all these years, then, Mark? Well, I've been playing Little Legs for 18, 17, 18 years, and don't get me wrong, I absolutely love him. It's yeah. because of him I'm where I am now. But I wrestled in America for the Dwarfinators. Um, because you're the foreigner, you're always the heel. And then I got a little taste for that, and that was back in, what, 2018, 2019. And then uh, I got working with uh, Pete Bainbridge right. at uh, Southwest Wrestling. And he wanted to me to be his psychic, because as the commissioner, as the heel, gotcha. uh, he wanted... Uh, get a group of people behind him like the DX and uh, so me and him come up with um, Kneecapper Murphy it was me that said Kneecapper and he came up with Murphy brilliant and then it evolved from there wearing the black suit white tie uh, the old sunglasses you know and then it was my idea to come up with a baseball bat being a Kneecapper yeah my my specialty is kneecapping. <laughs> so uh, then we come up with this great idea of kneecapping Murphy. I've now played him uh, about three times so far. And uh, the first day I did it, uh, I made three three children uh, cry. <laughs> Second day I did it, I made no kids cry. I was actually quite disappointed. <laughs> uh, but on the first day, I knew it was going to work because if they're scared of me, then the more scared, the more they hate you, yeah. the better it is. Yeah, that's definitely a heel character. And am I right in thinking that Little Legs has uh, typically been a baby face character over, oh, over the years? Always on the day, yeah, absolutely, especially so, on the camps. 
you know so, uh, so, i mean creatively then it's such a change for you isn't it to to go from you know 17 18 years as little legs to you know the biggest baby face on the card to kneecap and murphy uh probably the most uh, horrible villain you're ever likely to see and uh, that must be quite refreshing for you as well as a creative person absolutely you know it's something different um like i say i love little legs and always will do i never give him up but uh it's just great to be a horrible little, yeah. you know, <laughs> and uh, it's just, you know, I've learned from some of the best heels in the business, you know, Drew McDonald, uh, Brady Steele, uh, you know, some of these guys are legends in the business. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've watched Mick McManus on TV, um, Kendo Nagasaki, you know, everybody's seen them on the old World of Sport on a Saturday and on YouTube. Yeah, You've learned from the best. Yeah. You know, and uh, especially Drew McDonald, he's just the, one of the best heels that I've ever met. So, uh, yeah, to, to be able to follow in their footsteps and be another heel on the roster is just great for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, like I say, what what a what a character, what a, a heel persona. Just just from that picture, like you say, it's enough to make babies cry, isn't it? And uh, enough to make uh, <laughs> old women shake their walking sticks like they used to. Yeah, uh, back in the sports day. But, but when I mean, they had the bricks in their handbags, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a few of them shows, but uh, I think me and you are probably from similar generations. And I grew up in the eighties watching World of Sport uh, around at Manans. Uh, but what what about yourself? How were you first introduced to this great sport? I mean, I can remember when WWE first came out. I remember WrestleMania. I think it was WrestleMania 2 was my first one. Uh, I think it was 2, anyway. With Mr. Yeah. T and Hulk Hogan when they tagged yeah. against Rowdy Roddy Piper. And yeah. uh, when they used to bring all their celebrities to WrestleMania. Um, I can remember that when Sky, was, uh, Sky Sports was a cable, not a satellite. And that's where I grew up. And obviously Big Daddy and uh, Haystacks and yeah. uh, Mick McManus and uh, the Barbarians. And, you know, later on, you know, I, I remember going to Blackpool to the, uh, to the Tower to yeah. watch wrestling. And uh, that's when they were there. And then they did the meet and greets afterwards. And I had the pleasure of meeting Big Daddy a couple of times. And my, he was a big old fella. Yeah, yeah, and Especially I. when you're my height. Yeah, well, not only that, but I remember kind of seeing uh, giant haystacks, um, uh, probably yeah. in the early early nineties at the town hall in Oxford, and uh, oh yeah, I remember it, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I used to see all the uh, all the all the American wrestling. Well, the, I think it was All Star. Uh, even then, we're going to talk a lot about All Star wrestling. But uh, Brian Dixon's show would, would come to town every few months, and uh, yeah, right. it, he's a very intimidating figure, right up close to Ryan Haystacks. Uh, you know, me and he my, was me, one guy I never had the pleasure of meeting, unfortunately. Yeah, but as a heel, they didn't really come out afterwards for the meet and greet. No. Normally, it was Big Daddy and a couple of others, but. Uh, yeah 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 but uh obviously leading on from your wrestling fandom to you know first getting interested in 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 pro wrestling and uh i mean you said you've been in wrestling about 17 18 years so that that's a good old time um but how how did you kind of first get introduced to pro wrestling kind of how how did you it's, kind a, it's of a bit first... of a funny story yeah go ahead um do you know flatliner well Chris I, Mann. 
I'm from familiar with the flatliner, yes, because I know that he was a tag team partner of yours for many years. So That's right. Uh, I um it. I first met him. <laughs> I was doing a mini me lookalike tribute act, and I'd met him at a bodybuilding competition down in uh, Portsmouth, right. and I was part of the entertainment. And he booked me and a couple of others. I can't remember how he booked me. I think it was through word of mouth. So we, you know, we got talking. And then I found out there was a show in Whitney in Oxfordshire. And he said, why don't you come along? So I went there and it was a um, Stu Allen show, uh, UK Dominator. Yeah. Uh, um, I can't remember the company now at the top of my head from uh, Hastings. Right. So I went to watch a show. I got there in the afternoon, it's ready in the evening, and they were setting up the ring, and I met Stu Allen, uh, the Bulks, um, uh, the Pitbulls, rather, sorry, Bulk and uh, Dave. Yeah. I met them, and Chris uh, Flatliner was there, and we were chatting away, and then somebody, I think it might have been Stu, said, do you want to have a go in the, in the ring quickly? And this was in the afternoon, and they got one of their what I call light lightweights, one of their younger high flyers, uh, not very well, three or four or five stone heavier than me, yeah. not very big. So we went in there. I've never ever set uh, set foot in a ring before. So we went in there, and within ten minutes or fifteen minutes, I was Samoan dropping him, <laughs> and I I was doing head scissors, and they were like. So they said, do you want to be in the show tonight? I was like, really? I've got no trainers. What I had on was all I had with me. So they said, yeah, we'll put you on the show. You can tag with the um, pit bulls. So they're like, what, 30, 40 stone between them yeah. and myself. And we would, uh, I ended up doing a match that night. And I've never trained. I've never set it put in the ring. It's something for any up and coming trainer not to recommend. And then from there, uh, Flatliner spoke to Brian Dixon, the All Star, and uh, he invited me down to, I think it was Bogner Regis, Butlins. And I ended up doing a tag match with uh, Flatliner, and it just. <sighs> It just went from there. You were off I, to the it, races from there, yeah. Yeah, it's just <laughs> surreal. You know, one of my first tag matches was against uh, Dream McDonald, the Highlander. Yeah. And I can remember this was uh, uh, in the Skyline at Butlins in Bogner. And during the match, I pinned Drew. Wow. You know, not three count, just a two count. And as, as I pinned him, he said to me, do you know what? I've been pigged by Big Daddy. Now I've been pinned by a fucking midget. <laughs> and Drew being Drew, I never, ever forget him saying that. That's something that stayed with me. Because he's worked with all the greats. And I mean, literally all the greats. You know, he was uh, a scout for WWE for many years. Yeah. And he knows a lot of the big guys in the UK and in America. And for him to say that about me, I, I... I it's something that always stayed with me. It's yeah. a hell of a compliment. In by Big, Dad, Big yeah. Daddy, now by a bloody midget. <laughs> it's like, 
so, yeah. so, so what, what was it like tagging with uh, Flatliner for all them years? Because I think you and him had a, a really, really good partnership, a good relationship oh, yeah, in the ring. For, uh, for a good three or four years, you guys were kind of uh, yeah. tag team partners solidly I mean, uh, in your first few years. Tell us about it. Flatliner bonkers anyway. If you've ever seen his match where he gets his, uh, he pulls his trousers down, um, <laughs> he, he makes his trunk look like a thongs. Uh, he do, does the old stink face in their, in their faces. His ring music is absolutely crazy. Uh, it just, he comes out with a feather boa and a cowboy hat. You know, he just, and it, it worked so well be, with me and him for three or four years. And I, you know, I will always have the most, uh, most respect for the man. And I love him dearly because he got me into the business. If it weren't for Flatline, the little legs wouldn't be here. You know, he came up with the name. Yeah. And he and he came up with my ring music. All the small things, Blink 182. <laughs> you know, and Little Legs. Uh, yeah. was, little Legs is a guy in the 50s, 60s that used to work with the Quay Brothers. He was a draw. He, right. His autobiography saying how he used to work with the Quay Brothers. And he was called Little Legs. And that's where the name come from. So without Chris, Flatliner, Little Legs wouldn't be here. Yeah. And it's incredible to think that it kind of started out of nothing and, and almost by chance. And like I say, 18 years in the business. And, uh, you know, you... I mean, been... let's, let's be honest. Yeah. Being a, being a dwarf, as much as I would love wrestling like anybody else, yourself, I never dreamt of being a wrestler because to me, a wrestler is, Six foot twenty one, twenty stone, built like a brick shit house. Yeah. You know, and all these other guys. And I never thought it was real. So it never was something in my head. You know, I've done a lot of acting jobs, entertainment jobs, and it wasn't one that I really expected because Hornwoggle started after me. Right, yes. So uh so I never had someone to I'm not going to say look up to, uh -huh. you know, look across to, to follow. And, uh, and I'm the only dwarf wrestler in Europe. Well, I was going to so, ask, Mark, I mean, you know, because through my research, I, I couldn't really find many, you know, uh, mini wrestlers or dwarf wrestlers um, to speak of, you know, besides yourself, really. So, yeah. I mean... Not I, since the 70s, I believe. No, no. It used to be a... Mini Big Daddy and a mini haystack and stuff like that, but uh, no, not really. I mean, outside of North America, um, you, you kind of don't really see many dwarf wrestlers, I suppose. Mexico is very popular, yes, with their with mini, their mini luchadors, yes, mini luchas. Oh, really, really popular. Fantastic. There. Uh, I've had the pleasure yeah. of meeting a few, and yeah. my god, they're good and all. Well, even yeah. I wouldn't compete against them guys. Oh, yeah. you know, they're well, crazy. They really are, yeah. Um, yeah. And but I want, I want to talk to you about. Um, we spoke a bit about All Star Wrestling, but the, the holiday camps now because um, that that's kind of All Star's bread and butter, isn't it? Really, and besides, kind of touring the country, they they tour the holiday camps during summer season and school holidays. And we spoke a little bit off air, Mark, about you know the the number of kind of uh, reps that you guys do. You know, a dozen, thirteen, fourteen shows a week, possibly. But uh, um, what was your first experience of, of the holiday camps then, Mark? Because mine was uh, uh, at Butlins. 
Tell us about it. My name's Gagnet and um, my name's Gagnet and uh, Bogda Regis. Um, we were traveling 1,600 miles a week. Wow. Uh, just to do the three count, we would go around twice every week. And uh, to me, the camps are the best. Yeah. Any up-and-coming wrestler that's watching now, get on the camps. They are the best places to learn. And I know some other guys have told you already, yeah. uh, Terrence, uh, Dino, and some of them guys, you know, the camps are the best at learning because they're not paying customers. It's part of their entertainment package. So they're there to be entertained. They don't always want to see a triple somersault off the top right. They just want to watch entertainment and they want to have a laugh. They've never seen it before, half of them. Yeah. Uh, they don't know what to expect. And uh, it's just the best place and the atmosphere is great. It's so much fun. Yeah. And I missed the, during the pandemic, absolutely missed the camps. Didn't always miss the town shows, but the camps is just the best. Yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned, you know, uh, Dino and uh, Tyson Taylor and Tucker and one or two others that have been on this show and uh, uh, Tyson T-Bone, now yourself, they all kind of cut their teeth on the holiday camps and, and uh, they've all said the same thing because of the number of reps you're putting in, like I say, 12, 13, 14 shows a week, um, you know, you, you're going to learn. And that weekly. includes putting the ring up and down every time. Absolutely. So we work as a team. You're going to learn quickly and you're going to learn to a very high level. And this is why, I mean, you've got the likes of Dean Allmark, one of the one of the best wrestlers, not just in the UK, but possibly the world because of, you know, those repetitions. And, you know, he, he was able to kind of hone his craft like so many others. And it, it really does, like I say, it's fantastic entertainment for those watching. But it's, it's an amazing experience. You, you can't buy that type of experience and that type of uh, education you know, yeah. uh, during the holiday for me, For me, anybody can be a wrestler. Uh, but it's difficult to learn how to work the crowd. Mm. And the camps are the best place to work the crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if you can't do the camp, you can't do it anywhere. No, and this is it. And you're entertaining, like you say, potentially non-wrestling fans who's never seen a live wrestling match before. So you're getting kind of raw emotion, raw reactions. They're either going to like yep. it or hate it. Um, so that's what I like about it. I mean, we spoke a bit off air about... Um, Dean Allmark, Tyson Taylor, Tucker, and, and all the others. So I'm going to bring up another picture because I mean, you, you said you missed a lot of the boys during the during the pandemic, but um, you, you got a great bunch of guys there um, from yeah. when you guys were last together. It looks like a, a re reasonably recent photo, um, but uh, yeah, there's only about two years ago. Yeah, three years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you guys are like a family, aren't you? And whenever you meet up, you're kind of very, very close and it's almost like a day hasn't passed. But uh, tell us what some of these guys mean to you. I mean, you're living on the road with them for six weeks at a time. Uh, you're at home maybe one day a week. So you're living in each other's cars or minibuses. Um, you know, <laughs> you're with them longer than you are with a girlfriend or your yeah. wife or, you know, whatever. And, uh, I, you know, and the camaraderie is just so much fun. Um, a few of the people I've worked with um, have either travelled or retired recently, so I don't see a lot of them now. Like, um, 
Ringo Ryan, Ryan Ambrose. Right. He moved to uh, uh, New Zealand. Um, I miss him dearly. And he was so much fun. And Rob Dynamite, he retired three, four years ago. He, to me, he was one of the best Legend. in the business, yeah. full stop. Some of the ideas that he used to come up with in my matches were just bonkers. And then when we did it, it was the funniest thing ever. You know, like, he'd be on the top rope, ready to do a diver cross on me. But instead of hitting me, he'd dive over the top of me. <laughs> and I'd be like, and it, when you think about it, it's like, really? But when you actually do it, 2,000 people or 1,000 or 500, whatever, on the camps, it was the funniest thing ever, you know. And, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> I would suplex him. I shouldn't be able to do that. But we worked together where I would suplex him. Yeah. Or I would powerbomb him. I shouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> but he'd jump at me on the middle rope, land on the middle rope, I come through and power bomb it off the right. So oh. it's like he, he's just such a legend. And I'm, you know, I was gutted he retired. I'm missing dearly. Rob, if you're there, come back. Yeah, I know. Uh, when I spoke to Dino a few months ago, he was singing uh, Dynamite's praises for for sure, Robbie oh, Dynamite. But um, absolutely, yeah. I mean, because I mean. Besides the tag matches you used to take part in, Mark, you were also involved in quite a few uh, battle rules as well, weren't you? And the battle rules must have been uh, a lot of fun. Um, I mean, you were in there with the likes of Robbie Brookside, Danny Boy Collins, Robbie Dynamite, yeah. Dean Allmark. Doug yeah. Williams was in a few of them that you were in, PCO, yeah. um, and so Daniel, many others. Daniel Bryan. Yeah, really? She so was uh, in a, a battle yeah, with Daniel yeah. Bryan. When you come over here, I've done a rumble against Jake the Snake. No way. Yeah, uh, quite a few years ago now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're great, but um, they can be scary because a lot of them are over the top rope. Yeah. And for me, um, for over the guy, top, a, down there. That's a long way down. But, you, know, <laughs> you know, I'm like this. I mean, I remember one time I was wor working with um, uh, Ryan Mason from WWE. Yeah. Uh, Barry Griffiths. Yeah. Uh, uh, Gladiator. He had a few names here. Big, you remember um, Ryan Mason? Oh, and yeah. he used to work with uh, Nexus. That's right. From Wales. And I can remember, <laughs> I was in the rumble, there's about four of us left. So, uh, Barry lift me straight up in the air. And so he's, what, six foot six, six foot seven. And this was in a sports centre. So you can imagine how hard the floor is. Yeah. And then you had Whippy from Scotland on the outside. And uh, Barry had thrown me from top setting of a wrestling ring. And I'm up there, so we're probably, so what, six, uh, 12, 15 feet in the air. And Whippy's on the outside, and he just launched me, and I went flying. And my God, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I had a couple of whiskeys after that. And, let's, uh, hope they, let's hope there was a few guys out there to catch you, because... Uh... <laughs> uh, there was only him, but yeah. Uh, thankfully, obviously, he did, but I'm still here. But uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> awesome. yeah. I, I I tend not to do too many rumbles if I can help it. But yeah, oh, unless I win. Well, this is it. 
This is it. I'm but... in a bubble, but uh, yeah. <laughs> and we spoke about Flatliner as your kind of your first tag team partner for several years, but you had a few other tag team partners as well, didn't you? I mean, Dean Allmark, we've spoken about him already today, yeah. Frankie Sloan, James Mason, Tony Spitfire. Yeah. Um, any fond memories of, uh, of some of the other tag team partners of yours then, Mark? Oh, I've worked with so many. Um, uh, who have I worked with? Zach Knight mm. uh, and uh, his sister. Raya, which yep. a lot of you know is Paige. Paige from, from WWE, WWE, of course. Yeah. Um, I've worked with, I mean, I've worked with so many now. It's just uh, half of, you know, I prefer to work with the young up and coming lads that have just started because my match is a comedy match. It's not their normal wrestling match because, because ours is so different or my match is so different. It's a great one to learn with from a different perspective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just want to say, Marco, of course, we're, we're live. So anybody that's watching us live at home on Facebook Live, on YouTube or Twitch, please feel free to send in your comments or questions for Marky Seeley. And if you want them answered during this live broadcast, just uh, send them across and we'll do, do our best to answer them during this live broadcast. But you mentioned the, the Knights there and, and uh, uh, Zach and um, Soraya. Oh, uh, we know it's a great family. And, you know, and obviously... Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the father, was Ricky. Father? Ricky Knight and uh, yeah, Ricky Senior. So, yeah, absolutely. Great yeah. family. How were you first introduced to them? Because I know that you've become very close to them over the years and you've wrestled for WAW quite a few times, um, you know, thanks to your relationship with the Knights. But how, how were yeah. you first introduced to them? Obviously, it was all three all star yep. with Brian Dixon. Um, when uh, I call her Raya Page, yep. uh, she was what? 15, 16, we used to do a two-on-one against her mum. And there was a great story one day where towards the end of the match, uh, I run at uh, Soraya and she booted me in the head. And because of a, a, a work issue, they had like um, zigzag patterns on the bottom of the shoes, on the sole. And because she hit me so hard, I had W print on my head for about an hour. And then it was in a theatre show. We were actually only talking about this the other week, funny enough. And in the in the wing was a Klondike uh, cake. Yeah. And even she went, ooh, that was a bit stiff. So, yeah, I had these shoe prints on my head. But working with Raya, you know, when she was 15, 16, and then she got the job at WE, I was so uh, pleased and proud for her. And... Uh, Ricky Senior and uh, Soraya, I love working with. And then you got Roy and Zach. I mean, Zach, I knew when he was 14, 15, when he used to be a Zodiac kid. Yes. You know, uh, and uh, Roy was a Zebra kid. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just loved working with I still do now. I was only with them about three weeks ago. I did three, uh, I did a week on the camps for WAW and, uh, just absolutely love working with that family. They are just so nice, uh, so welcoming, yeah. and uh, old school like myself. Yeah. And uh, you got the young, just... younger generation coming through now as well, haven't you? With uh, Ricky Knight Jr. doing some amazing things on the independents, and I'm sure that there's going to be an even he, new he's generation be WWE coming through. WWE yeah. uh, soon, absolutely. and Japan as well. He's got it all, isn't he? I, he really I'll be shocked if he don't. 
Yeah, no, and he's he's out there kind of going up against uh, yeah. the, the best at the moment, so uh, he's only yeah. going to get better. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I mentioned that um, uh, you worked for the Knights WAW. Um, any fond memories? Any any matches uh, that, that you recall working over in Norwich or with the Knights in WAW? Uh, I did the fight mare too uh, in Norwich. Yeah, at Norwich Football Club, and that was about uh, Carol Road a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, when there was uh, between four and 5,000 people watching it. Mm. And we had Mick Foley. Yeah. The legend, Mick Foley. He was on the show. Um, Nick Brody Aldis was Steel. on there as well, the uh, former That's NBA right. champion. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And uh, um, Brody Steele was over from Canada. And they had... Um, who used to be with the uh, DX, the tag team, the block. Oh, Bill, Billy, Billy Gunn. Gunn. Yeah. Billy Gunn, he was on there. And Holly, Chris yeah. Holly. Yeah, they were, you know, it was a great bill. It was a long old day. It was, I did the Rumble on that show, by the way. Right. I didn't win it, unfortunately, but uh, I had the honour of being uh, number one out. So I had the big intro at the beginning. And then it was uh, the first two with me and Barbarian. And uh, I sort of tried to kick his butt, but after about four entries, he threw me out. So that didn't work very well. But just the honour of being there that day uh, was all mine. And uh, I'll be, you know, forever debt to uh, the WAW for inviting me that day. And uh, just, yeah, great day. Great weekend. Yeah, because we had, uh, I don't know if you remember, a, a, a big guy, uh, Winston, uh, who was in the, the main event of uh, that show at Carroll Road, and he was on the podcast not long ago, um, And because uh, I think he was in the match with Billy Gunn and, and one or two others, but he said it was a fantastic day, and the sun was oh. shining, and there was four or 5,000 yeah. people there. We were lucky with the weather, so yeah. One of them days you, that you'll always remember. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 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 Let's um, switch subjects to your your acting then, Mark, because I'm very, very curious about this because um, you've you've kind of uh, been in everything from things on the small screen to things on the the big screen and Hollywood productions and uh, pretty much everything in between, Mark. But how how did you kind of get into acting? I think we spoke a bit off air and you said you were very young when you got into acting, but uh, what what kind of fascinated you about acting and what made you want to become an actor? When I was a kid, I always wanted to be acting. I enjoyed drama at school. Um, I did a couple of uh, kid uh, ITV children programs uh, on uh, during school, and we had visitors like Robert Powell and a few other uh, actors that came and uh, spoke to us. So I got interested in it, and then the new theatre in Oxford. You might remember it as the Apollo many yeah. years ago. Um, my friend was stage manager there, and they had the Snow White production coming up, and they found out that one of the dwarfs, female obviously, uh, was pregnant. So she had to drop out. And uh, my friend, the stage manager, said, well, I know someone. He's only 16. He's never worked, but uh, would you take him on? So they said yes. Uh, so I did that production that year, and uh, the other guy said, well, we have an agency, and the agency is called Willow, Warwick Davis. Yep. If you know from the film Willow. Absolutely. And from Tenable, Life Too Short, 
And uh, uh, the, the original right. Star Wars films, I think he was um, Wicket in Return of the Jedi. Yep. Know, know it very well, That's yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I got invited onto his agency. And then from there, from 16, well, even up to now, they only rang me yesterday. So, uh, yeah, once you're in there, it's great. Uh, what were some of your early roles up. then, Mark? What were some of your early acting roles? Do you remember? Well, we did, uh, i done four Harry Potters. Yeah. As one of the goblins in Gringotts. So we had 11 years of that. I first met Daniel Radcliffe and Emma and uh, Ron when they were 11. And then they were 22 when I did the last one. Wow. And yeah. then after that was uh, Fantastic Beasts. I did uh, a little bit of work in that. Uh, what else have I done? Uh, Celebrity Juice with Keith Lemon. I did three or four episodes of them. Uh, you know, just a little bit, nothing major. But did a little the uh, bit, Harry uh, Hill movie I, as well? And yeah. uh, um, I was the uh, I was the boxer in the ring. Kept yeah. shouting, tickle him, tickle him. <laughs> and that's when I, I had a wig on. And uh, I always said that look made me look like a Nicholas Cage from Conair. Yeah. When he had the long hair, I yeah. said, yeah, that's me. You know, so, uh, uh, yeah. And then I went to Hollywood once. Go on. And worked with uh, Jim Henson from the yes. Muppets. Uh, I did that, a film um, called Ruby, Buddy. A uh, Bud Buddy, that's right, with uh, with, uh, Bobby Coltrane. Renee Rus- that's and right. Rene Russo. Mm. And I played a gorilla. And I wore a $1.2 million costume. Wow. And this was back in 96. So, I, you know, I don't know what it'd be worth nowadays, buddy. But uh, so... Uh, that was all animatronics. So uh, that was three months training in London and then three months living in uh, on the Hollywood Hills. So that, again, that was great fun. Uh, something I'll never forget. You've done yeah. uh, a big fat gypsy gangster and... Yeah, with um, Buller. Yeah. Life's too short with... Um, uh, with uh, the act you just mentioned. Warwick Davis. Yeah, Warwick Davis, of course. And yeah, I was the... I was the um, autograph hunter with right red thread. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! Uh, but what, what yeah. was it like being on on kind of the the set of a of a Harry Potter? I mean, the the biggest franchise movie franchise in the history of cinema, and you said you was in four of those movies. What what was yeah. that like, kind of when it was happening? I mean, you was there on the very first movie and the very last yeah. movie as well, weren't you? So I mean, the, that must the have been first movie, the the first movie. The budget was only about, I say only, 20 million, mm. for an example. I can't remember exactly what it was. And every shoot was on location. Like the Gringotts Bank was filmed at the Australian Embassy in London wow. in their banquet hall, which was down there. They completely, completely converted it into a bank. And then on the three, four, and seven, they built it on set at Leeds and Studio where the Harry Potter tour is now. I've been there and a few the, times uh, myself. studio behind. Yeah. So they completely rebuilt it but, uh, on set. And the reason they did that is that when they film, if they want to take a big massive pillar out the way so they can put the camera there, or if they want to take the wall of the bank out the way so that they can film there, they can do. On set, you, you can only work with what you had. So you were restricted. But on set, you just go 
all right, we'll take that 30 foot wall out and we just put the camera, you know, it just, but to watch Legion Studio grow from where it was on the first film to what it is now, which is a major tourist attraction, uh, just outside London, it's just phenomenal. Because it was a Second World War, um, airfield. Right. Uh, the original studios. And now it's just a proper multi-million pound studio and tour owned by Warner Brothers. Absolutely love it. I've been there, I think, three times myself since it's opened. I haven't uh, been yet. <laughs> you need to. It is absolutely magical. Yeah. And you know, because you I don't you really want to buy a ticket, but, uh, you know, I do need to go. <laughs> just, just just, tell him at the booth. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I won't I'll bring him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or get Warwick to uh, send you a VIP pass oh, through yeah. the post. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, um, but, but what were your kind of fondest memories of being on some of the big uh, film sets? And um, I mean, obviously you met a lot of uh, amazing actors and had some great experiences, but what are some of the fondest memories of, of being an actor on some of them big sets to, you, to yourself then, Mark? I mean, on Harry Potter, on some of the scenes, we have 60 dwarfs in one scene. Yeah. Uh, all going through four hours of makeup each. You know, they were long days, hard days, uh, great fun. I mean, one of the lucky things about JK Rowling's is, uh, all the actors had to be great British. If you look at the whole cast, or damn near the whole cast oh, of yeah. all eight films, they're all from the UK, and the crew were from the UK. The extras were from the UK. Uh, everything was filmed in the UK. Fantastic Beast isn't. No, if you look at that, American. Yeah. American. But uh, Harry Potter was all UK based. So that was great fun. And uh, she didn't like the use of uh, computers. You know, like in Lord of the Rings, the big fighting scene where you got 2,000 orcs and whatever other in the army yeah. they were all computer generated they might only be four but they turned the four into 2000 in harry potter what you saw was almost what it was yeah so it was great for us um so we had work for 11 years whether it was in front of the camera or behind the camera or whether it was stunt work you know, we were busy for 11 years. Uh, I was lucky because I lived quite close to Watford, which is only, what, less than an hour. Yeah. They could ring me up and say, can you do tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, uh, we we need somebody to stand in, body double. Yeah. Or we need you to do some wire flying. Okay, so you go in and just... It, they they were great. I I... I miss the Harry Potter days. Do you, occasionally the watch, the do you occasionally watch the films back to uh, see if you can uh, spot yourself then, Mark? <laughs> I try not to. Um, I've never seen all eight films all the way through yet. Um, I'm not a great fan of watching myself uh, on TV anyway. A lot of actors will tell you the same. They hate watching themselves or they hate hearing their voices or, you know. Yeah. Because, unfortunately... What they have, you're done now. You can't uh, moan about your work because it's already done. That's right. And it's out in the uh, cinema or whatever. Yeah. Uh, a lot of actors are self-critical. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I totally understand that. And uh, a final question regarding your, your acting: have, have you ever been able to keep any mementos from any of the uh, productions that you've been a part of? Uh, any any kind of souvenirs or any mementos? Any costumes? No, no. Well, I know some of the other guys have, but uh, I um, I'm probably not as naughty as them. You know, like in the <laughs> in the Harry Potter days, I remember at Australian Embassy they had all the uh, Gringotts coins. <laughs> and stuff like that and all of them used to pocket them and all that i mean i i was stupid enough not to have done it but oh yeah they used to come with pockets of coins in there and uh and they would sell them on ebay 10 years later oh I and, bet. Uh, yeah 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 um, I, I i'm normally quite good with that that's good to hear that's good to hear um <laughs> and let's, uh, let, let's um switch back to wrestling then um so uh extreme dwarfinators wrestling so that was over here uh, in the uk around 2018 2019 no yeah, it's, it's an american right. group isn't it um and they came over here for a tour um during 2018 2019 you were part of that uk tour um what are your kind of memories of being part of extreme dwarfinators because it um got a lot of interest in press coverage but was very very popular with the fans um certainly those that attended the production was fantastic you had some great action um and it really kind of got over to be honest with you and, and you had some great shows but um yeah. uh had kind of uh, mixed reviews from kind of more mainstream press but uh, yeah. you also had your supporters as well didn't you i i was quite lucky because i saw them advertising on facebook and i've never met them before never heard of them and I cheekily sent them a messenger message. And they said, oh, yeah, we've heard of you. Come and join us. So I joined them. We did, uh, where did we do now? Bristol. Uh, I did about four shows with Cardiff, them. Cardiff, I think, was one uh, of the venues. Yeah, Cardiff. Went, uh, Cardiff got cancelled. Oh, right. Okay. Because of this issue. Mm. People were complaining that it was becoming a circus show, a side show. A right. freak show. Oh, you shouldn't have a team of dwarves wrestling. Uh, you know, and there we had uh, quite a, about three venues uh, cancelled on us. And uh, it it got really annoying. And this was before we started. So we got hold of uh, Sean, Sean McMahon, yeah. uh, who we spoke about earlier. Yeah. And he's very good in marketing and PR. Yeah, great guy, so, by the way. Great uh, guy. Dwarfinator's got hold of him. And uh, so what we arranged was they sent over, I think it was about three dwarfs from America, from this group, and myself. And over two days, we just hammered every news uh, and press outlet. We did Channel 5, uh, BBC, ITV, uh, Sky, um, Good Morning Britain, uh, every paper going in the whole country. And we just hammered every great Good Morning TV uh, breakfast was great with Piers Morgan because he was a great supporter of ours. And uh, that day they brought in uh, one of our guys and uh, uh, another dwarf. He was opposed to it. He was a doctor or something like that. And he, he so in the studio they had them two arguing away with Piers and then me and a couple of others. We were in a gym and we were wrestling in the background. Uh, it, it's on Good Morning TV now. You can find it on uh, YouTube. And uh, Piers Morgan actually supported us on the way, all the way. And, uh, you know, we're very grateful for him. 
And even though we lost a couple of venues, they ended up being sold out. And then about that's it. That's one of the pictures. There we go. Uh, that that one I think was in Wales somewhere. That's and, a great uh, picture. A great picture. Yeah, I would knock it after that. By the way, <laughs> as you can tell. But uh, a couple of months after that, I got invited over to America for three weeks. So I went and toured over there with them. Wow, that's and, brilliant. And uh, I had little legs, obviously, but my ring music was the national anthem. Superb. Yes, so all the, flag the all UK. the <laughs> all the rednecks in uh, in America absolutely hated all that. Uh, so I'm hopefully going back out either later this year or early next year. And when I do, I'm going out as Kneecapper Murphy. It's got to happen. It's got to I'm happen. I'm going to do Kneecapper. I think that works so well over there. That'd be such a great gimmick for the American audience. Yep, they will eat absolutely. that up all day long. They really, really yep, will. Absolutely. But I'd say overall, your your kind of uh, extreme dwarfinator experience was a was a positive one. Would you say? Eventually, yeah. After all this palaver of complaints and uh, opposition, yeah. uh, even local councillors were opposed to it in some of the areas. Uh, Liverpool, we had that problem, and we invited her to come and watch the show. And at the very last moment, surprise, surprise, she didn't come. Yeah. But yeah, I mean one. We did the show. There weren't any problems at all. No. It would, especially after that two days of mass uh, press stuff. Um, it, I remember I mean, it very well. Oh, it was great because it was free advertising for us. Yeah, it, it drew more eyes to the you, product. You, and, uh, you yeah. couldn't even pay for that. <laughs> you the really stuff couldn't. we were doing, you know, talk sport, uh, it, you can't even pay for that. No. No, it really was fun. I was remember remembered it when it when it all went off, and I even interviewed yeah. uh, Sean around the time as well. And like, and, uh, one of our arguments was, if we don't like to do something, we yeah. will not do it. Yeah, you know, as wrestlers, as dwarfs, as disabled people, if we don't like to do something, we won't do it. We love wrestling. We yeah. love having a laugh. You know, people stare at me, yeah. so I might as well get paid to be stared at. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I mean, if you guys were were offended by the situation, then that that, but you weren't offended. You were kind of you know embracing the opportunity to uh, perform and, and do what you love, professional wrestling. It's our career. Yeah, you know, we want to make people laugh with us, apart uh, and like laugh at us. Mark, a curious question. I might be 100% uh, off the mark with this one, but uh, uh, am I right in thinking that you you have had your own WWE experience uh, as part of a DX skit? No, I haven't worked with a ah. WWE. No, unfortunately not. Um, when they were looking at Hornswoggle, or looking for a Hornswoggle, right. they did look at me in the UK. Um, I don't know whether it was uh, Drew putting a word or something like that. I don't know. But unfortunately, I had a, a major operation on my ankles and knees at the time. And I ended up uh, being in a wheelchair for over a year. And unfortunately, it didn't come off. But uh, who knows? Right. OK. I'm still I'll... happy. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I wasn't 100% sure. I thought I'd check with you on a, yeah, yeah. a possible I, WWE I experience. But uh, so, 
so close. Yeah. So as we kind of wind this interview to, to kind of a conclusion, I've got a couple of final questions for you there, Mark. Uh, first of all, you know, you've been part of the wrestling business for uh, going on 18 years. Uh, you've had some awesome opportunities, some fantastic experiences with some of the biggest names in the industry. Uh, but what was some of the most fun that you've had in a wrestling ring or some of the most fun you've had um, around the boys? The camps. Yeah. They were just the best time, you know. Uh, when we were at Haven, we do 12, 14 a week. When we did Butland, we would do six a week. And, you know, they were a lot of trouble, 16, 1800 miles a week. Uh, they're great run. Uh, you do two or three shows a day on some of them. Uh, hard work. And you got to put the ring up and put the ring down as well. Yeah. It's not just wrestling for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. You've got an hour to get the ring up, probably an hour to take it down, then travel to the next venue. Uh, but, you know, afterwards, we go to the next uh, camp, get the caravan, and we might go out for a drink. And it's just so much great fun. You know, just wrestling is a family, especially on the long job like that. You know, you're living together, you're eating together, and it just, the be- the camps are the best for me. Yeah, I mean I love the town shows, obviously, because they're the real wrestling fans. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But the camps, camps for me are just the best time. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of uh, camaraderie and just being around the boys and uh, the fun. But uh, final question for me then, Mark. And what what's uh, some of the some of the proudest moments that you've had in your career? Whether it be acting, whether it be wrestling, where you can look back on it and say, "Yeah, I I, I did that," and uh, almost have to pinch yourself. But uh, some of your proudest I mean, at the moments. moment, I'm 47 years old. I don't look it, by the way, but yes, <laughs> um, I'm 47 years old and I'm still wrestling. Yeah. If I can do another 10 years. That'll be my proudest moment. But, I mean, working with all the guys, you know, Chris Mann, Zach Knight, uh, Jade Mason, people, Bainbridge, Rob Dynamite, Drew, and the guys I'm working with now, you know, I love giving advice to the young lads and girls, you know, like Taylor and all that. I just love watching them, you know, you know telling them things like, Less is more. You don't always have to do this, or you could do this. I just, I mean, I'm not a wrestler as such. I'm an entertainer. The stuff I do in the ring makes you laugh. What these guys do, they wrestle. Yeah. You know, so for me to be able to give advice on how to entertain, on how to work the crowd, it's just a pleasure for me because I can't teach you how to do something off the top rope. That's yeah. not my uh, mantra, you know. Yeah. But to work the crowd, to entertain, that's what I know best. Yeah. And uh, I just love giving advice to the young people. And Nick Upper Murphy's going to go, he, 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 my next project. There we go. Knee Kappa Murphy, uh, Little Legs, Marky Seeley. It's been an absolute honour and a privilege and a pleasure to speak to you. And uh, um, if anybody wants to reach out and say hi to you, uh, I know you're on Facebook, uh, but if they want to say hi to you, um, how can they find you and, and say hello? On Facebook or through you. I, yeah. I'm, like I say, I'm 47, so I don't do Instagram. 
I don't do TikTok. I don't do all the... the... I, th- I think your quote was, I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> yeah, you said it. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, just search Mark E. Seeley or, or go through the, the Jonas Facebook page and you'll find him very, very easily. But so Mark E. Seeley, it's been amazing speaking to you. Thank you very much, my friend. I've had a blast. It's been a pleasure. Take care, buddy.